again, going back to that wanting more, that want that was deep inside of me. I didn't want to grow up in this town for the rest of my life. And there's nothing wrong with that town. There's phenomenal people. It's beautiful there. It's like salt of the earth people who are like the best people you'll ever meet. But I wanted something more. You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. All right, welcome back to the show. Today we have on Barry Griffiths, and Barry is the most interesting man in the world. I'll let him tell you why in his story, but Barry is the host of the WWRE podcast and host of Wrestling with Real Estate YouTube show. That wrestling part might give you a hint to why I think he's one of the most interesting people. Barry currently resides in Las Vegas with his wife and 17-month-year-old boy. I'm super excited to have him on the show because not only is he the most interesting person in the world, he is also one of the most humble and genuine people I've met along this journey. So with that, Barry, welcome to the show. Man, you're setting me up for failure. How can I live <laughs> up to any of that, right? I'm probably not going to be as humble and I'm definitely not interesting. Like, I, I think I'm really, really boring. So, man, you're setting me up for failure. But no, i happy to be here, man. Thank you so much for, for having me on the show. I'm really excited. I don't know, with that Northeastern accent you got there. <laughs> um, People get confused by my accent a lot because it's not Scottish, it's not um, Irish. I'm Welsh, for those people who don't know. It's kind of almost a forgotten country. People know about Scotland, they know Ireland, they obviously know about England. But like people are like, where's Wales? Is it in London somewhere? I know, we're kind of our own country, but yeah. I'm on a mission to <laughs> educate people about Wales. But yeah, my accent's a little weird. I get Australian all the time. Australian and South African, more, more than UK, actually, believe it or not. Huh. Sounds a little bit harsher than uh, like a South African. Like right, South- yeah. Yeah, never yeah. mind. I, my, my, I love accents, so. Okay. My friends would say I've got, my friends from back home would say I've got an American accent now. And I can hear it sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, ah. But I've been here 11 years now, so uh, I guess it's to be expected. Yeah. Well, we like to start off with the difficult questions here. So tell our listeners, what's your favorite ice cream? Uh, no doubt chocolate. I'm a chocolate guy. I'm with uh, everything. All kinds of dessert, chocolate. Like I'm not... Give me a fruit dessert. Okay, I'll eat it. But chocolate is all about the chocolate for me, man. Okay. Toppings or no toppings? Uh, sometimes, yeah. And I like I like variations of chocolate. I sometimes dark chocolate, sometimes milk chocolate, sometimes chocolate with chunks, sometimes chocolate cookie dough. So it's a, it's a little bit of variation. But yeah, I'll take some toppings. I'll take some chocolate toppings on top of the top yeah. of the chocolate. Or uh, what do you call it? We call it a flake when you stick in the the... In the chocolate, we call it a flake. Yeah, um, what do you guys like, call it? Yeah, uh, I know what chocolate. you're talking about, but I don't okay, know what yeah, the word is. Yeah, okay, we call it a flake in the UK, but yeah, okay. definitely all about, all about the chocolate, man. Uh, cone or bowl? Oh, cone! Come on, and yes. if you give me one of those. If you give me one of those fat, yeah, there's no taste in the bowl. Like you, you gotta, and you gotta get that crunch as well. That there's something in that crunch as well. Like, and if you give me one of those fancy cones as well, oh, even better. Like, and a fancy cone with some chocolate in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Forget about it, man. Forget about it. But I just right now, this, this is you're killing me right now because I'm actually like doing a diet because I'm going on vacation a little bit. So I'm doing keto, which is easy to keep to, but it's obviously no sugar, no sweets, no carbs. So, yeah. man, you're doing this. I think you're doing this on purpose to test my willpower. Hey, I don't want to make you jealous, <laughs> but uh, Friday night is is pizza and ice cream night in this household. Oh, so uh, get out of here. That's what's man, next on my agenda. For people who don't know, it's Friday night today as well. So yeah, yeah. Don't be sending um, any pictures or anything. So tell our listeners, what's the scoop? What do you do? A little bit of everything. So um, I'm a real estate investor. 
and a podcaster, but I also work for Cirque du Soleil. So my full-time job has been with Cirque du Soleil. Previous to that, if you want to go back a little bit before, as you mentioned in the show, I was a WWE wrestler. I wrestled for the WWE for a number of years, did some pay-per-views, was on Monday Night Raw for those people who, who might know what that is and wrestled some big names, John Cena, Randy Orton, Kane, um, those, those kind of people traveled the world, had a really fun time. Um, and then that finished in 2014, mid-February now, or tail end of February right now, and no signs of us going back to work anytime soon. But that is just those two times. So the first time with WWE, they didn't renew my contract. And all of a sudden, I was left a guy from the UK, no particular skill set outside of picking up dumbbells and picking up people, you know? Had this, was trying to figure out, okay, what do I do next? Where do I go? What do I, you know? Because outside of WWE, it's only the real, one real game in town right there was there's another another company now that's come along that's you know the viable option against it but at the time there wasn't really too much else going on and wrestling tough place to be at that point uh, and i bought a house so where real estate comes into all this uh, in january of the year i bought a house i bought a really expensive house no investment strategy whatsoever behind it. i like the color of the walls i like the layout of the, of the house i i like the neighborhood that it was in i liked that um, they had the water on the back, like all that stuff, right? But a lot of the stuff that doesn't add value to the home, right? They just bought it. And it was in an expensive HOA and it had CDD fees. And my total mortgage payment was $25.50 a month, right? $25.50 a month. And I go from making good money, six figures, to all of a sudden making pretty much nothing and not knowing where my next dollar was going to come from. So I couldn't sell the house because I just bought it. I could have sold it and made a loss, but I couldn't sell it because I loved the house. And psychologically, it was too much for me to sell the house after losing my dream of, of, of the WWE. Right? I, thought, I thought I was going to be the world heavyweight champion. And not from an at place of arrogance, just from the trajectory I had and from the hard work that I was doing and dedication that I had. I, I thought that was going to happen and I believed it in myself. And again, not from a place of arrogance. I think you've got to have that tunnel vision and belief to some extent, right? It doesn't mean that you're shouting it from the rooftop, but... And then that came to an end. So can you imagine like thinking you're going to be that and then to where I was and then having to sell the house that I loved. I used to love waking up because it had like these probably 10, 10 or 12 windows um, in my bedroom. And it's one story thing. And it looked out over this lagoon and every morning you see the sun come out and it was just, I loved the house. So I was like, all right, I got to find a way to keep a hold of this house because I can't sell it. So, you know, went down the rabbit hole of finding how to find a tenant, how to screen a tenant, how to manage that tenant, you know. I think that led me to bigger pockets, which led me to rich dad, poor dad, which then in turn led me to this whole crazy, crazy world of real estate investing that I didn't really know existed, right? I and mean, it was only scratching the surface of things at that time, but still, it was a whole nother world for me and just fell in love for a number of reasons. For one, I needed to have something else, another stream of income come in, because if I was going to continue down the entertainment world, route, I needed something there. And also just the, the, the possibilities, right? The, the sky's the limit in real estate, right? People think the, the limit is the amount of money that you have. Now, the amazing thing is the sky's the limit. There's so many different things that you can do in real estate, that you, there's no ceiling to what you can achieve. So I love that as well. And I also love that you can create whatever life you want from yourself as well. I realized that you can make it as you know, you can be as busy as you want or you can be as passive as you want, right? You can be as active as, you know, working 24 hours a day if you want, right? All year, all year round. Or you can have something that gives you mailbox money and you just check that once a month and make sure that's there. So I, I love that concept as well. And so fast forward. So this happened in 2014. Sorry if I'm talking too much, but I, I think it's quite relevant right now. So in 2014, that happened and my world fell apart when they didn't renew my contract. They didn't know what I was going to do. I was completely lost. You know, fighting, you know, fighting the thoughts of 
my career had come to an end to then as well, having financial issues, right? Fast forward to last year, 2020, in March, of, March 9th was the last day we did our show when they told us we weren't going to be performing and there was a whole world of unknowns at that time. It was a completely, completely, completely different feeling that I had. I, did, I wasn't financially free at that point, but I had some real estate investments that was bringing in money that was going to keep us afloat and not have to worry too much about that. But also what I had was that education, that knowledge about real estate, that... Because I was working as a circus slave before my, you know, and I had time, but I didn't go full on as much as I maybe should have in real estate, but I'm still okay. But what I'm saying is I could have, at that time, I realized, hey, I have this education, I have this knowledge, and I can get more knowledge and I can get more education, but also I can create something now, right? It's not that scary moment of like, where do I go from here? I know where I'm going to go from here. And I was on that path already. And it was just a night and day feeling. And that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about real estate because I can give people that feeling. And I think now more than ever, people need that alternative stream of income. Yeah. I want to sorry. <laughs> no, I want to take it back before even WWE. So okay. we chatted about uh you you know I I'm a big fan of WWE growing up uh as a kid, watched it all the time, but so you were born in Wales, right? A, a country that people uh, the lost country that you're on the mission <laughs> to educate people about. Where did you grow up in that? Cuz I don't I, I don't even know a single city in Wales. So where did you grow up in Wales? Yeah, the, the, the only famous city really in Wales is Cardiff. I don't know, it's the capital of Wales. Some people may have heard of that. But outside of that, yeah, it's a lot of very small towns. And I, and the south is more populated than the north. And the whole country, there's not even 3 million people that live in the whole country. Interesting fact for you, there's more more sheep in Wales than people. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not awesome when you live there. They call you the a certain thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I lived up north, which is quite rural. And, you know, there's not a lot going on. And there's, you know, the town that I grew up, there was probably 200 people, maybe not even 200 people. There was a, to give people a reference and idea of what it's like, is there was a fish and chip shop, there was a post office, there was a tiny little grocery slash convenience store, there was my dad's business, and then there was three pubs. <laughs> so it gives you an idea of like and the pubs were like the focal point everyone goes to the pub and just has a beer and socializes or whatever my, my wife when she first came over thought everyone was alcoholics there because everyone goes to the pub pretty much every night but you just have a beer or two talk to people and then you go home you know it's not like you're yeah. blackout drunk every night um, but my dad had a business there so it kind of worked for him for a while and the town's name is Trim Adok. So Tre means town, and Mad Dog was the guy that built the town because it was used to be underwater, and he built this, what they call a cob, that stopped the water from coming into that town and another town across. So he created all this land by stopping the water going in. So they called it Maddox Town, essentially is the name of my town. But um, my dad had a business, so grew up like in this tiny little town. Can you imagine that your dad is pretty well known for his business? If you get in any trouble, you're that guy's son, and people always identify you. And they love, they love, 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 telling your dad or someone else that you were part of that group that smashed that window or whatever. They don't mention anyone else in that group. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So it was an interesting upbringing. And my dad actually, my great, my granddad and my great granddad were all undertakers. And I worked for a bit as an undertaker as well, because that business was a construction business. And before that they used to make and, and carpenters, but they used to make the wheels for the horse and carriage. That's how back far back this wow. was. Probably over probably hundred years at this point. They used to make the wheel for the horse and carriage. And because they were woodworkers, they made coffins. And because they made coffins, they were undertakers as well. They all kind of went hand in hand. So that was passed down business to business. And I worked a few years as an undertaker as well. So money. So the question I'm dying to ask you is like, why did you not go work into that business? 
that's probably where everything kind of started for me was I did work in that business, but truthfully, and I'm sorry for my dad ever listened to this, but I hated it. And I think he didn't want to either. It was pretty obvious that I hated it. I just ended up in that. I tried to go to university. university I did two years of university. I didn't make it past Christmas either year. It just wasn't for me. Education wasn't for me, you know, and it just, I thought that's where I had to go to be successful. And that's what everyone else was doing. And, you know, it just, I, I didn't have that. I couldn't sit in front of a computer that long. I couldn't do the work, like the reading and stuff like that. It's just not that I didn't have the ability. I don't think I was stupid per se. It's just, I, I would rather do something else. Sports was my thing. I just loved sports. I could be in the gym all day. Tra- like I always had self-discipline and I could run. I would always go running by myself, lift weights, eat, try and eat healthy. All that stuff really appealed to me. Um, so I, I, you know, I didn't have any, I was back in a small town. So can you imagine there's not much job opportunities, right? Don't have a degree. don't have like, too much of an education. What are you going to do? It's not like you have <laughs> all these places you can go work. So you go work for your dad because he has a business. And I was lucky that that was the case, to be honest. So I started working for him, got my qualification as a carpenter, worst carpenter in the history of the world of carpentry. Cause I just had no interest. It was just something that I was doing. Cause I didn't have anything else. And I just didn't like it. Didn't want to you know, kind of be there. And every day when you go, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, right? Going to do something every day when, you know, the night before you're like, God, I got to go to work tomorrow and you're doing something you just really don't enjoy. Um, and I always wanted more. I don't know what that is. Like the more I speak to people, I don't, I always say I wanted more, but I don't know why that was, but I wanted more than what that small town had to offer. Don't know why I couldn't really tell you what that was, but always knew that I wanted more. And so, through that, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so what, what was the next step and yeah. how did you have that conversation with your dad? I'm interested in that. Uh, yeah, so the next step from there was I started, so I was a sports guy, I always played sports and I st- started working out and I really loved going to the gym um, and just would go pretty much every day of the week, built physique for myself and I was like, you know, 6'6", 280 and, you know, I was noticing- It's a big boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so especially with this small town, right? And I was in shape as well, you know, I wasn't just that weight, I was, you know, probably sub 10, body fat easy to 10% body fat so I was you know I built this physique and I was like oh let me do something with it I am in the gym on a Saturday night when I was down the pub getting hammered right I was like let me do something with this because otherwise what's the point right to some extent even though I enjoyed it I might as well try and do something with it wrestling came on tv one time and I was like wait they kind of look a little bit like me I think that you know I think I'm fairly athletic I think I can do what they they could do so it's like all right but i'm in this town in wales of 200 people where how do you start wrestling and wrestling in the uk is also looked at a little differently it's not looked at in the same way as it is yeah you you tell people you're wrestling they're like oh cool oh yeah wwe and all that stuff right that back home it's people fake fighting right you you people guys in tights um, rolling around with other guys um, pretending that the fights are real, right? which isn't what it is, right? It's so much more than that, right? It's exactly what it is here, right? It's entertainment, right? You're entertaining people that come there, right? That's that's what it is. So that, that you know, I was like, where do I go from here? Luckily, and you know, luck is where opportunity meets hard work, right? And preparation. There was a show that came to my town, a tiny little show, like, and it was in a field, and it was raining, and the ring was lopsided, and they had a chandelier for a light, and. It was so funny, but I met the promoter then. He was this legendary guy in Wales and struck it off with him and he became a mentor and started wrestling with him. And I was wrestling on the side while still working my um, W2 job as a carpenter. Can you imagine that, you know, the construction business, construction business is not for the faint of heart, right? If you can't take a a bit of uh, verbal abuse, I don't think it's for you. You won't last very long. And, you know, being the, 
being the boss's son already, like I was already getting it right, and and then then to be a wrestler, and it was just like uh, it was it was brutal. But at the same time, I think what I can relate to to real estate now to other people is that if you have a goal and a vision, right, it doesn't matter what other people think, right? It did matter, and it was tough. I'm not lying. When people are like, "Oh, you 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 wrestle, huh? <laughs> yeah, tell me about that fake stuff," right? And it's like. Uh, well, this is what, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of tough. So I, I'm sure people go for that when they tell people that they're a real estate investor, right? Oh, you can't do this. Oh, it's dangerous. Oh, it's risky. Oh, I have an uncle that lost everything doing it, right? So, but it's important that you have that vision and you have that goal. And my goal wasn't too clearly defined. It was just, I knew I wanted more. And I saw an opportunity with wrestling to sort of achieve that. So how did you deal with that criticism, I guess? Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. I, I would be lying if I said it didn't affect me and it, that. To this day, it was like, you know, I kind of feel like I showed them a little, a little bit, right? I, but I think, again, going back to that wanting more, that want that was deep inside of me, I didn't want to grow up in this town for the rest of my life. And there's nothing wrong with that town. There's phenomenal people. It's beautiful there. It's like salt of the earth people who are like the best people you'll ever meet. But I wanted something more. Right? And, I, and I think that wanting of something more was what it was. So, so going back to what my dad, you know, how did that conversation go with my dad? It wasn't too hard because what happened was after a while, I was gone all the time. I would take days off. I would take weeks off to go wrestling. And he wasn't stupid. You know what I mean? He knew that I didn't like the job that I did. It was pretty obvious yeah. my work and, you know, wrestling more and more. And I was having more success as being on, you know, as having a Welsh-speaking um, TV channel. I was making appearances on TV as a wrestler because I was the only Welsh-speaking wrestler. Yeah. So it, it was like he saw the writing on the wall. And I think, I don't know, it, it's just... I just told him one day, I think, and it, he, he wasn't, he wasn't surprised. I don't know. It, the, the hardest thing for me was, to be honest with you, was, you know, this was over after I was in the U.S. and had a lot of success, that I had a granddad that had built this business. And my granddad, I took him over the business when his dad died young, and he didn't know anything about the business. And he, his dad had a heart attack from nowhere, and he was, I don't know, in his, in his 20s or his 30s, and he had to take this business that he didn't really know nothing about business and work and scrape and make sure that this business survived. And he made sure that this business survived, handed off to his dad and obviously what he wanted, uh, to his son, sorry. And what he wanted was that business to continue, right? And the challenge I had was then that I was, you know, over here in America, not continuing that business. And, I, and, it, and he was a big fan of mine. My granddad had pictures on my wall and always told everyone about me. But I remember coming home one time and speaking to him and he was, you know, we were just chatting and I would, and I love my granddad to death. He was, you know, just an amazing, amazing, amazing guy. Um, and he said to me, you know, I was like, oh, so when are you um, going to come back here and um, come back to work for the business? And he, you know, he wasn't in the best of health at the time. And I knew exactly where he was coming from. A man that was tough, you know, and I said, I had to tell him, and I was like, honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know if I, I ever will, you know, it was, <laughs> I was a tough moment, you know, but I, I I had to live my life, right? I would I would have loved to have loved that business and so for it to be what I wanted and for to be my destiny, I guess, and what I needed to do, right? But I couldn't. I just couldn't bring myself to do that. And sometimes you've got to make these hard decisions, right? And I don't think it broke my dad's uh, granddad's heart, but you could tell that you know he wished that the business would come would continue. And thankfully, 
um, my my dad has a brother who works in the business one. Well, he has a son, and he's going to keep the business going. So he works yeah. in the business. Also, to this day, the business still still is still going and will continue. And hopefully, he has kids that he can pass it on to, to them as well. Um, but I think it's just important, as tough it is as it is, and I'm sure a lot of people hopefully can relate to this in different circumstances. Right? If you want to invest in real estate. And people are telling you that you can or that you shouldn't or you shouldn't leave this job or whatever it is, right? There's stuff that you have to go through, right? You've just got to understand what what is important to you. And I think, you know, as we get older, I'm 39 now, right? You realize how short life is. And we only have one life. And it's such a cliche saying we have one life, short life, blah, blah, blah. But it's so true. I'm 39 and it just literally it happened. How am I 39? I literally do not know how I'm 39. I don't feel the same. You said you were 34, right? And I think it's so important that... We realize this, right? And you know, it's you can you can die real quick, right? Even it comes to your end of a life real quick, and we don't know what that is. But even if I live to eighty, right? I'm sure when I'm eighty, and and whatever whatever that looks like, I'll be like, wow, I just remember like I was twenty like yesterday. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 and it's just so quick, and I think it's so important, really, honestly, that we do stuff that we're passionate about and we take control. And I'm not saying that you don't have to do stuff you don't like, right? Of course we do, right? But we have so much control and stuff that we can do in our lives, right? And even if you don't want to leave your W2 job, invest a little bit on the side, right? Just so that that investment at least brings you some extra income that you can go on vacation twice a year from that or something, right? Just do something that it improves your life. Because it's it really isn't that hard to do a little something. And you can do extraordinary things as well, of course, but... I think it's just so important, man. So the reason why I asked that question too is because yeah. that was a conscious decision, right? And then when the contract wasn't renewed with the WWE, that was an unconscious decision, right? So yeah. how, how and a lot of people in 2020 woke up and their world was different. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I try to tell people during that time is look at the skill sets that you have, evaluate what, you, what you're really good at and take that forward. And so... How were you able to take something that maybe you didn't enjoy forward into something you did enjoy? And then when that was kind of abruptly ended, take those skill sets and parlay it into real estate investing and uh, circus Soleil? Yeah, good, good, good question. Because I, and you make a very good point, right? I think it's important that people do, and I'm sure they have, right? Reevaluated what they're doing, how they're doing it, and what they are going to do, right? Because the pandemic has you know, caused that to, for a lot of people to do that. Um, I, I think during that time, it was, I don't know, it was a lot of, I don't want to say desperation, but a lot of, I guess, desperation, right? I was at this point where I didn't know where I was going to go in my life, right? It wasn't that I was old, but, you know, it wasn't a midlife crisis or anything like that. But where, where do you go from here, right? I've, I identified as a wrestler, Every, you know, people back home call me Barry the Wrestler in Welsh, Barry a Wrestler. That's what they call me in Welsh, right? Talk about identifying as something, right? Yeah. And now, now you have to go from that and try and do something else, right? It, it was tough and it wasn't an, an overnight thing. I just think I fell in love with real estate. I think, you know, in, in terms of what you can achieve, in terms of what you can do, in terms of how it works, in terms of, you know, you know, the options that you have, I just think I fell in love with that. And I think, I didn't know if I necessarily had too much of a skill set. I'm sure we all have skill sets that you can find, right? And I think it was an, uh, an evolving thing, right? That now um, my thing, I think, is is I like talking to people. I like communicating with people. I'm really interested. Even though I'm so 
somewhat of an introvert, somewhat not, you know what I mean? And it seems strange to say people like, well, you wrestled in front of millions of people in your speedos, like how much of an introvert can you be, right? Well, kind of, kind of still am, but I enjoy talking to people. So my role in real estate has adapted, right? I didn't start out thinking, okay, I'm going to be investor relations because I partner with some guys and my role in that team is to be the investor relationship, right? It's to, to hopefully raise capital, to uh, talk to, talk to investors, to communicate with them when we have a deal or whatnot. Um, I didn't start out right when uh, WWE didn't renew my contracts. We go, okay, I'm good at this, right? It was just, I went down that rabbit hole. I also enjoy other aspects. I enjoy um, asset management. I really enjoy that and talking to property managers and talking to um, contractors and stuff like that. But it wasn't like you go through stuff, right? Like, you know, I knew that after a while that underwriting on, on the computer wasn't my biggest. I could do it and I do it from, from you know, so when I look at deals, but that's not my biggest skill set. So I think it was a process. And I think people need to go through that, right? You need to try different things, different, you know, skill sets in real estate and see what you're good at and what you what you enjoy as well, right? I think it's important that you enjoy that because it's gonna to lead to more success. So it was it was I don't know, how, how long ago was that? Three or four or five years ago? That that's you know, it's been an ever ever going process, I think. Yeah, as I'm listening to this, though, I, I think that's it right there in the sense of you grew up in a really small town, right, where you probably had to do a lot more than people in bigger towns. Like I can call an Uber and have food delivered to me and all that kind of stuff. And I'm assuming you can't do that there, right? And then you get so. in this construction <laughs> job where you learn hard work and discipline and grit. It's probably not the funnest thing in the world, but you learn those skills through time. And then you enter this wrestling world where now you're put on stage and microphones and you're performing in front of all these people and you just kind of develop those skills. And so now you producing a podcast every single day have to uh -huh. do the constant work, have to continually go out there and and perform by doing these interviews and things like that. It's just it's it's funny to watch and look back at like your story and, and then kind of think about mine and think through like the skills you just naturally accrue over time that lead you to these different routes. And so you've been able to parlay that into reaching out to investors and reaching an audience through your podcast and things like that, which has now led you into this real estate journey. So I don't know, I again, a lot of people went through massive shifts in 2020 mm -hmm. and you've gone through that a couple times in your life. So I just kind of want to try to pull that information out of you and hopefully that people can find um, uh, something in your story that will help them. But yeah, and I, I think, like you said, it, it's it's you'll 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 find that skill set, right? You've just got to take action and move forward with stuff, right? I don't think it's gonna. Some people might find straight away. I, I don't think that's the the, the the norm. I think after a while, you'll just find, realize what you like to do, what you're good at, right? It's, it becomes pretty obvious, right? If you're good at something or you're not, or if you like it or if you don't, and then you land at what what you like to do and what kind of investment, right? That's that's another thing, right? As well, like no investing, right? Is is sounds like a good investment, but it's just not for me. It's just something that doesn't. I, I like the idea of, of, of how it works, but in terms of actually doing it and stuff like that, and I looked into it, I looked at a number of different real estate investment um, niches and, you know, kind of messed around with a little bit, but you realize what you like, what you don't like, what serves you, what doesn't serve you, what, you know, again, builds to that. We talked about on my podcast about clarity, right? But what does your look, life look like? Or do these things fit into what your life look like? And you, you'll, you'll, you'll figure that out. But I think the first thing, first thing is to want to move forward with real estate. Once you realize that, you know, you'll, you'll eventually figure it out. Yeah. So you bought this house, right? Let's go back down to real yeah. estate. Now you bought this house, you've got this beautiful view and things like that. You started acquiring single family homes. Um, and then you decided to make this shift towards multifamily. 
first of all, why did you make that shift? What what interests you from single family to multifamily? Yeah, what uh, well, what happened was to me. So I had this house, found a renter. It was negative cash flow actually on it, but it was <laughs> it was what it was. I, I didn't have to sell it for you know initially, and then moved to Vegas, bought two houses in Vegas, and was you know at this point all in on real estate. Listening to podcasts every day, going to meetups, and trying to meet people, reaching out to people, and with the with the initial advice I was given is like what is your end goal right what does that look like right and I told you it's a hundred thousand dollars in passive income um and what does that look like it looks like 40 single family homes to me right and this this was at the time where I didn't really fully understand everything and about creative financing about wholesalers about hard money lending all, all that stuff right all that other world right I still still scraping the surface so I thought I needed to buy 40 single family homes I was going to over 10 years, which is four houses a year, right? So my goal was to do it in 10 years, four houses a year, one house with owner-occupied financing and the other three with 20% down, right? And I'm in Las Vegas at the time, and I, I thought they would all be in Las Vegas. So can you imagine the amount of money? You know, I was working for Cirque du Soleil, but I didn't make that much money, you know, and I was trying to figure out how am I going to do this? Um, my wife needs to get a, a, make more money, and we need to save this. And I was trying to calculate all this stuff, right? And obviously through reaching out and talking to people, uh, I spoke to someone one day and I told him my goal and I thought, thought I was so smart because I got this goal and you've got, you know, you need to have a goal. You need to have it figured out. And he's like, you know, uh, yeah, that's cool that you have a goal of 40 single families, but you know, if essentially you could buy that with one apartment complex, like you can buy 40 units in an apartment complex. And to me at the time, 40 units sounded so massive. I was like, wait, someone buys those big things. You know what I mean? Like 40 units was huge. Now 400 is, is, you know, a decent size to me, but it was just funny at the time. And I was like, literally, I, it's funny how certain things resonate with you and you remember them. I remember exactly where I was sitting. I remember who I was talking to. I remember I was at Starbucks. I remember, you know what I mean? I remember what day it was like all that stuff. Right. Cause it just was like a massive aha moment to me. It was like, wait a minute. It doesn't need to be 10 years it can be a year's time and you know and then he told me about as well that all the stuff about multifamily right if you have one unit um vacant in a 40 you in a 100 unit you're 99 percent occupied still the one in a home you're 100 percent vacant the end you know the, how multifamily is valued is valued on the noi if you control the noi you control the value of the property you know the fact that you also multifamily as well lends itself to bringing on other investors either with partnering or bringing them in as limited partners and all that just resonated so much with me and I, you know as we talked about before you'll find what you're supposed to do or find what makes sense to you and at that time and, and even to obviously to this day multifamily just makes the most sense to me in, in that aspect so just dived in he told me listen to these podcasts i think it was jake and gino podcast and michael blanc podcast went through them in like a week i was like wow okay i'm sold and that just from there just started looking at multifamily properties it's funny you mentioned that about the exact moment and things like that i remember that moment with i knew you could go out there and buy them but i thought you had to buy them by yourself i didn't know okay. that you could go buy out there and syndicate <laughs> and that was the moment where I was like, holy cow, all these guys are just raising funds and buying these apartment complexes. They don't have recourse debt, meaning that they own the park apartment and they've got their per personal balance sheet on the line. They've raised money to go do this. So I remember that specific time as well. So you got into this world of multifamily. Um, do you own multifamily today? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, yeah. So started looking in Vegas. and uh, This was two or three years back. And I and at the time, I was like, oh, this is, uh, the numbers don't make sense. You know, it's really expensive. Fast forward three years, 2021, right? It's just insanity here. I'm probably if I'd have bought two or three years ago, my properties would have doubled in, in, in value for sure, if not more. So <laughs> a bit of a harsh lesson there, but 
I, I wanted to buy someone with his most ability because the problem with Vegas is there's a lot of it's cyclical here, right? Very um, well, who knows right in the future, but if, if we'll have cycles, I don't, <laughs> I don't know the way the printing money and everything, low interest rates and everything that's going on, but who knows? Uh, but I ended up moving to the Midwest, to Cincinnati, because I wanted a lot more stability. Because as I talked before, if you control the NOI, regardless of what the market is doing, as long as it's not going down, as long as it has that stability, you can increase the value of the property. And I like that a lot more. And I just, and I like the cash flow. So I picked Cincinnati, this cool city has some population growth, not a huge population growth, has some job growth, has good job diversity. They have seven of the Fortune 500 companies. Um, Amazon has a, a, a a hub there now, uh, a flying hub there now, and there's a lot of cool stuff there. And there's a lot of properties as well in the 20 to sort of 50 unit range. So there's a lot of, you know, properties out there that you can buy. So I, I went there. So initially I was looking for something around 20 units. I thought, all right, buy 20 units to start off with. And I had some money because what I did was I ended, ended up selling all my three, three of my single family properties. It was like, all right, I don't want to be in this anymore. And they'd gone up a decent amount in, in, in uh, value at that time. Two of them were foreclosures that I'd done some work with and improved them a, a little bit. And so I was like, all right, let me take this, these chips off the table and then look to invest in, in multifamily. So I was looking, you know, trying to find, trying to find. And then eventually a six unit, which was way smaller than what I wanted, came on. And it was in a great area. It's called Covington. It's just outside Cincinnati. It's on the um, Kentucky, Kentucky side, or the other side of the river. Um, and a six unit came on and he needed a lot of work, but it's in a great area. So it was like, at the time, it was probably a D property, but it was in a B area. And I was like, oh, six unit all right, okay, let's let's go because it just made sense, right? And so that's turned out to be a great deal because I've renovated. I'm on the last unit now. COVID has really slowed me down. I bought it in January of last year. So that property I bought for 300, probably end up putting around 100 in. Still haven't finished, so I don't know what the, the finished numbers are, but probably put in 100. And hopefully it'll be worth between 650 and 700. Hopefully closer to 700, but who knows? But so it's it's been a great deal, right? I'm going to walk away with a good amount of money that I'm going to 1031 and then hopefully buy 40 or 50 units with that. Um, I also invested passively in a, in, a, in, a, in a large 398 unit deal in Dallas Fort Worth. Um, I just did that because I'm a coach as well. Joe Phyllis is my coach. Um, I hired him um, a few years back because I was like, wait, <laughs> I don't, this stuff is kind of complicated. I don't, I, I don't fully know that. So I hired him as a coach um, and through that invested in one of his deals. That's it's, it's been done pretty well, but it's been a learning lesson as well in terms of how they do stuff, how they report. Um, so we're doing that and then with that i'm still looking in cincinnati but also partnered up with some with three other guys um, we started our own um, company our own business is called four horsemen capital so anyone that's if you're <laughs> at the four horsemen of uh, you know is rick Flair. yeah yeah so it's, it's a little <laughs> it's kind of cool like that so we started that so we're looking at deals we just offered on 64 units last week that we ended up losing out on and then we'd offered on 66 units before that this was in columbia south carolina so um, getting close, getting closer on that. So that's kind of my focus now going forward. So, so you mentioned a lot of different markets, Cincinnati, yeah. Vegas, Dallas, Columbia. Um, I want to dig into a few of those. But before we do, I have a theory on Vegas. What's going on in Vegas okay. right now? Are, are you seeing a growth uh, in Vegas? Yeah. Well, if we're talking about, yeah, I'm saying multifamily and, and residential. Yeah, it's crazy. Prices are just, my wife is a realtor here and it's just nuts. It's just I, like, there's... It's unbelievable. If, if you're on the West Coast, I think Vegas is a phenomenal town to invest in. Historically, it's been a very big touristy town, but mm -hmm. as these people move out of 
California. It's close enough to California to where they can still get there. It's a big enough city with a lot of amenities. The weather is phenomenal and it's a no income tax state. Like I think Vegas is going to blow up soon. It, well, it seems like it's blowing up right now. It's insane. Yeah. The real estate market, and I'm, I think it's, you know, this is nationwide. It seems like now the more people I speak to all over, but literally like if there's a house on the market that's reasonably priced, it's going to go under contract that day, like probably 10, 20,000 above what list price is, cash sometimes. It's just insanity. My wife went to a showing not, um, to show, uh, you know, to show uh, buyers a home the other day, and it wasn't the one where you scheduled. It's just one where you turn up and you open the lockbox. There was a queue of five or six people outside in the drive. Wow like realtors and, and, and clients, like just five or six people waiting to go into this house. It's just wow. absolutely insane. So yeah, I don't, it's it's hard to say, like I think here in Vegas, because we, we still very heavy, heavily rely on tourism and not just tourism, international tourism. So I know firsthand from working at one of the shows here that we're not performing and it might be another six months to nine months before we go back to work and it's February. I don't know when this will come out, but it's February now. So to give some people some context. So it might be the end of, 2021 by the time we get back to work to be honest with you so it's you know there's things like that but then you know like real estate's on fire like prices are going up like the average median home price is going up every month like literally going up a ton every month people are buying houses now and then a month later it's worth you know ten thousand more than what they pay for and it's like eh, i wasn't around for 2008 2009 but something sounds kind of similar no i don't think it's as bad but still, it's like, this is not yeah. normal. So I don't know. But again, like you said, there's so much influx of people coming in from California. It's insane. So many people are leaving California and coming in. You know, you sell your small house in California for 800000 and you can get a great house here for five hundred grand. And, you know, yeah. you pocket, pocket the difference. Yeah. And you have no state income tax. And you can work, on, you know, remotely from Zoom now. And even if, you need, if your family's there, it's a four-hour drive to L.A. from here. It just makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I would not be surprised if... There isn't a dip here, but I think I think I think the unemployment is is still around nine ten percent here, which nationally it's about six point three or whatever. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, if Vegas can really build out some kind of business hub there, it's already got the great infrastructure. It's already got mm -hmm. a great airport. It's already got a lot of big city amenities. I think it's going to be a town that really kind of explodes from a population standpoint as uh, people move from California. But you mentioned uh, Columbia and Cincinnati and Dallas. Why Columbia and Cincinnati? Curious on, on that. Yeah, Dallas isn't on the, the, I don't know what I mentioned about Dallas, I may have misspoke, but um, Columbia is where one of the team members is and he's um, he's well established in that area, has a track record, he knows the area pretty well and you know, for anyone who knows, Carolina's a, a good market, you know, because obviously there's a lot of migration there, there's a lot of jobs that are going there is population growth job growth you know those are pretty important so it's 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 a good area and if it's landlord friendly as well how did you find him how did you guys connect yeah through the podcast yeah so i talk about the podcast being worth its weight in gold just meeting that guy in itself his name is charles seaman so Charles, if you're listening, I'm glad I met you, man. Um, but he's he yeah he's a great resource and build a relationship with him got to know him and then over time we decided to sort of work together he has another company that he's involved in but he's more of a consultant to us there's three four of us total he's kind of the guy that's kind of guiding us and there's three other guys two of the guys including me three three total that are doing the work you know like i mentioned i'm, I'm going to be sort of the investor relations to, to that business one that's doing the underwriting and one that's more of the organization and we overlap 
some stuff that we do, but that's kind of, we have a, a role and this guy's kind of leading. So, so that's how we ended up in Colombia. Cincinnati, what happened was I was looking for somewhere in the Midwest. Cause as I said, Vegas was just so overheated. I thought at the time, <laughs> you know what I mean? Nothing compared to what it is now, but I was like, okay, I don't like what this way is going. And if I'm going to invest for myself, I think it's, it's kind of risky and I want to long hold long term. Um, so I, I, I was looking in the Midwest and then my coach, Joe Phelous lives in Cincinnati. He said, well, if you're looking in the Midwest, I live in Cincinnati. It's a cool city. It's landlord friendly. There is some job growth. There is some population growth. Uh, you know, you mentioned there's good jobs here. There's a lot of healthcare jobs there. There's a lot of renters. Like, I don't know what percentage I can remember, but it's a high percentage of yeah. the population that are renters there. So it just made sense to me and I could, you know, get stuff for, way cheaper than than vegas so that, that's why i picked those market and i started looking in vegas again because like you said you know vegas could be strong too in the years to come because they are trying to diversify a lot it is still really dependent on tourism but it's still that it is slowly diversifying away from that um, and people always love vegas right vegas is always even if there is a short blip in the in the near future in the in the in the long term i think vegas is always going to bounce back and it's going to come back even stronger so yeah. You, you mentioned place. that about Cincinnati. I love Cincinnati. I love Columbus. Um, mm. Lexington and Louisville are also two Kentucky markets that I really like. Lexington specifically, I think Lexington was one of the only uh, real estate markets in the country that didn't experience a downturn in 2008. Like it's, okay. it's a kind of an under known uh, market, got a university there, got some healthcare there as well. Um, so you, you mentioned that you grew your, your team from on the podcast. Um, you're a guy that's connected with a lot of different people in real estate in a very short amount of time. Any tips on networking and putting yourself out there and how you were able to kind of grow your network? Yeah, start a podcast. No, <laughs> that's how it worked for me. Yeah, I really like, I started my podcast in August of last year and it's just, I do a, um, a daily podcast. So that obviously helps at seven different people that you're speaking to every week, um, at least. Um, so that really exploded as well. But I think my advice more than anything, yeah, you know, um, you know, there's certain tactics that people speak about all the time, but it's just about being a good person, I think, right? I'm being interested in other people. I think I'm always interested in other people and I want to, you know, I'm genuinely interested in their story and don't spend too much time talking about yourself, right? If you can spend more time hearing about other people and finding out what their interests are from a genuine point, place, right? Don't be too strategic about it, but just having a genuine interest in people and follow up and be a good person. I think I'm a good person. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Some people might disagree. You are, but, but, but it's, uh, yeah, it's just, I think it's just kind of that simple, right? And you know, if, if, if you're not extroverted and I don't think I'm necessarily extroverted, but you know, I'm maybe not too bad of a holding conversation. If, you, if you're kind of a quiet person, ask questions. The easiest things in the world is to ask questions, listen and ask questions, right? Whatever they're talking about, ask that person about, whatever right how's how are their family how how is their real estate business what what do they like to do in their spare time just these and i'm probably saying some very simple stuff to people but it's just about having a good conversation and creating that relationship with people right and also trying to help people right a question i always ask people afterwards and i, and I enjoy asking is is there anything i can do for you like i really appreciate you being on my show is there anything whatsoever i can do and help or whatever and if they ask i try and try and do that for them or connect them with, with someone and people always appreciate that and I, I think it's just as simple as that i think yeah and one of the things is like i was talking to somebody about this the other day they are a little gun shy about reaching out to people like what do i oh, say yeah. what if they think i'm weird all this kind of stuff yeah. and um you you joke about starting a podcast but at the end of the day like you and i are on this show because we want to meet other people 
because we want to grow our influence, because we want to uh, engage with other human beings kind of thing. So I, I think anybody that's on one of these shows, maybe all of them don't get back to you, but like five out of 10 will get back to you. And that's five more people you can add into your Rolodex and try to add value to them. And the key point I think you mentioned there too, is try to find out what value you can bring to them, right? And anybody that's on this show or anybody that you're gonna reach out to has probably been on a podcast before, just listen to it mm -hmm. and get an understanding about it. This guy grew up in a small town and he was an undertaker for a while. That's pretty interesting kind of thing. You did your research on me, yeah, I'm impressed. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, and I, I interviewed someone not long ago and he was, um, uh, Joshua Rose is his name, really, really cool guy, really fun guy. But this man, how he started was he, he started reaching out to people. He's like, okay, I realized that he needed to do something about his financial situation and wanted to get to financial freedom, right? It rose to wealth. And what he initially did was there was people, he built a list, I think, of people that he wanted to reach out to. Not He didn't have a podcast at this point. But what he did is he did so much research on his people. If they had a book, he would read it. And he was reaching out to high-level people, like super successful people, right, in whatever fields that, that interested him. But he would really do their research. He would read their book. He would listen to podcasts they were on. If if they written blogs, he'd read the blogs, right? And, and he would do really – he'd spend a week maybe doing all – or maybe longer, really researching this person, maybe a month actually, really researching this person. Then he would reach out and say, hey – Mr. So-and-so, blah, blah, blah. I really love what you did. You're, you're, you're somewhere I would love to be. Um, I've read your book. I really liked in this book when you talked about this, this, and this. This really spoke to me. That podcast where you did with so-and-so, I was so interested by that point, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And at the end, he said, you know, do you have 45 minutes? Because I still have so many questions that came up from all this stuff that you've done. And I think, I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. And I'd love to do something similar myself. Do you have 45 minutes to... to to spare and he told me and i i was surprised actually that just a, it was a one-on-one -on -one call these all all these people said yes he said like 99 of these people and these are billionaires he wasn't just like literally billionaires people that are on tv people that are like that are crazy busy but because he'd done his homework he wasn't someone reaching out going hey uh can i get 45 minutes of your time i don't know anything about you but i know you're successful so no he was doing that and what and what he said was eventually he did three or four of these and he's like wait I owe it to other people to not sh to, to share this writing then turn it into a podcast. But it just shows you what you can do if you're just willing to do some of that work and reach out to people. And going back to the podcast thing, right? I've heard so many people say, oh, I couldn't do that. Honestly, podcasting isn't that hard, right? I'm not that articulate. I'm not that great at asking questions. I just, a conversation is just literally a conversation and it can be as easy as you want. And it really is. So you talk about that guy putting his work in to get to in front of these people, right? If you have a podcast, you'll be surprised. You say five out of 10, I would say it's more than that. I say it's seven out of 10 because people usually have a message that they want to share. Now, if I'm re reaching out to Grant Cardone, okay, he, he'd probably be like, how many listeners do you have? Or how many downloads do you have? Okay, come back in a year if you've got some more or something like that. There are certain people that they don't have the time. But for the most part, if you're reaching out to people that are just, you know, maybe not quite on that level, but still very successful, chances are they'll say yes, right? Especially have a podcast, right? Because it's they're gaining something as well. And especially if you're, you know, courteous. And if you, even if you want to take time and do a little bit of research and who doesn't like it when you say, Hey, I know that you were an undertaker in, in Wales and that there was 200 people that live there. You know, 
that's impressive. So I, I would encourage anyone, whatever, even if you're not interested in real estate, to, to start a podcast. It's just a great way to meet people. And you're having that conversation about whatever you're interested in. If it's about turtles, right? <laughs> Have a you know, having a conversation every week about turtles that you maybe not have, right? It, it, it meets gives you that fix of, for me, it gives me that fix of real estate. I'm surrounded by successful people and I learn and I network and it's just really cool. And it's just putting it in your brain as well, right? That constant, put it in your brain. So podcasting yeah. is amazing. Yeah, You don't need that many people to listen. The benefits are way more than the people that actually listen. And don't get me wrong, I appreciate everyone that listens to my show. It's amazing how I many people that are willing to listen to. I'm always surprised that anyone listens to my show, but I really appreciate everyone that listens. But the, the the conversations, the education, the networking is just so much bigger than I ever imagined that it could be. Yeah. I mean, the net of that, I think, is learn a little bit about the person you're about to reach out to before you reach out to them and then just make sure that you can add value to them. So um, I want to switch gears now and go into our last round of the show here. It's the same five questions I ask everyone. The first one is, what is your favorite book or what is a book you've read recently that has made an impact on you? Yeah, there's, there's a few books and they're not necessarily real estate related. Okay, yeah, I've reached that poet out. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's a good book, right? And it just, it did change my life. And without about it, it changed my perception about stuff and things like that. But uh, there's two books that really stand out. One is uh, Sapiens by yes. no Noel Avery. Uh, very I, dense, but very good. Oh, man, so good. And funnily enough, I was reading that, but I was listening to it on audiobook when I was in Africa. So we, we went to Africa wow. to... to um, to, to stay with tribes in Ethiopia. So it was, so it was kind of, you know, I, I think that's what they say, um, um, humanity start, all right, the, the, um, a human species started, I think that's what they say, I don't know. But anyway, so I was there, so it seemed like the book was like going hand in hand with what I was, you know, traveling around with these tribes that are, are very primal, very, you know, basic, and it was just so interesting to listen to that and then be traveling around the, um, these tribes at the same time. But that's a brilliant book, uh, Sapiens. And then the other one is Thinking Fast and Slow. Yeah. Um, it's such a good book. And I've read it two or three times. And every time it's, it's, it's 20 hours long on, on audiobook. So it's quite a long book. And there's a lot, you know, you got to be really focused on it. But it's just so interesting. It talks about how the, how the mind kind of works and how you make decisions and how you think. And it's just so, so interesting. So, yeah, those, those books were really, really good. Both of those books are pretty dense, too. They're tough reads. So, uh, Sapiens was much easier to me than, for some reason, maybe because where I was at the time, Sapiens was much easier to me than um, Thinking Fast and Slow. That's it. That you, was a tough one. Have you read his second book, uh, 21 Problems for the 21st Century? Mm -mm. It's, no, I think it's, I, I've, it's I've really watched, good, too. I think I've watched his TED Talk on it, but yeah, the, the, yeah. That's, it's worth a read, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah. All right. I believe the person you are 10 years from now is directly correlated to the things that you do every single day. What is something that you do every day? This is something I do every day. Uh, for the most part right now, podcasting or some kind of um, something to do with podcasting and, and networking and reaching out and talking to people that are in real estate. Um, so that's definitely something I, I, I do now. Um, trying to think of something else. Definitely look at deals every day. Trying to look, look at deals and, and, Going back to something that you said on my show was consistency. I definitely do something real estate related every day to something to move the needle forward. Be that reach out to guests, be it look at a deal, be it reach out to a broker, be it you know try and make a connection with someone that's investing where I want to be. It's it's something every day um, towards, like you said, in that ten years time where hopefully I'll have the 
I don't want to say the life that I that I dream of because you know that's you don't want to look forward so much, right? Life I have now is 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 as good as it maybe ever will be, and it's great, right? But in terms of financial freedom, you know, hopefully leads to to, to that point in yeah in much quicker time. But in ten years, that I'll be very comfortable in that aspect. Yeah, love it. Uh, what's a what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh man, you said this before, and I completely forgot about the question. These are, these are good questions, though. The best piece of advice. I ever had. Uh, I guess I'll bring it back to wrestling, right? They always said, be nice to people on the way up because you'll meet them on the way down. And that's so true, right? I've seen it happen to so many people. And luckily by nature, I think I'm, 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 I was always nice to people. So <laughs> on the way down, it wasn't such a big thing. But I've seen people that were, you know, they were assholes to me, to be honest with you. And they were kind of not very nice to many people. And it's not that I enjoy seeing them fail. I didn't want anyone to fail, to be honest with you, because it's, you know, I've... I've kind of felt what that felt like but you know seeing people eat a bit of humble pie is never a bad thing i think and i would yeah i think that's a great piece of advice for everyone whatever wherever you are your world can change in a second it doesn't matter how good you are and how how amazing you think things are it can change pretty quickly so always be nice to people yeah that's that's very interesting because i think as i looked at 2020 and just everything that was happening in 2020 one of the things that i preach to people is like just pretend like you're wrong not that right. they're wrong that you're wrong and so be nice to everybody on the way up because you'll see them on the way down is, is kind of aligned with that. So I love that. What's the thing you're most proud of in your life? Um, I'm pretty proud of my son, but he's still young, so he can turn out to, <laughs> to be a mess. <laughs> I haven't ruined him yet, um, but he's only 17 months. I would say coming over to the U.S. by myself, right? When I moved over here and, and creating what I've created, right? You know what I mean? I'm not a multimillionaire or anything like that but i got a, a great life i live in vegas and I, you know we don't worry for money and you know i'm you know improving everything with real estate but coming over here with two two back uh, two bags two suitcases in in january i think january 17th 2010 right had maybe two thousand dollars to my name at the time and you know going to wrestle for the wwe and i did it all myself i had some help along the way i'm not saying but in terms of you know, nobody was there pushing me in the gym on a Saturday night. Nobody was there, you know, making me eat dry turkey, you know, and and asparagus and, you know, all those things, right, that I put the work in that time after time that people didn't see, right? You, you know, you're just working, working in silence, right? And then to create this and to be on TV and to come from where I came from, right? No, nobody is famous. Nobody is, no, you know, not that I'm saying I'm famous, but to be on... Monday Night Raw to wrestle at pay-per-views, to wrestle at Madison Square Garden, to, you know, traveling to so many countries, um, you know, getting to perform and people, to, you know, people paying you to go to Brazil, people paying you to go to Japan, people paying you to go to Puerto Rico, people paying you to go to St. Martin, right? That was a cool trip I did, went to St. Martin for three or four days, you know, wrestled, wrestled there, you know? So I'm just proud of that from... You know, I didn't grow up poor. I'm not trying to say that for a second. My dad owned a business, so we were always okay. But I came here with pretty much nothing, and you know, two bags. And <laughs> funny story, right? I flew on a Sunday. I got drunk Friday night and slept all day Saturday, and had nothing packed. So Saturday night, with a hangover, I packed all my stuff and left like 6 a.m. the next morning to catch a flight. <laughs> yeah. No wonder, no wonder I, I ended up with a bunch of clothes that I couldn't wear or whatever, things like that. But yeah, I'd, I'd say that's what I'm most proud of. Just, just what I was able to create. Yeah, I mean, I love that. I mean, I'm glad that I live in a place where somebody would pack up two suitcases and just bet on themselves that they could make it in that place and nowhere else. So we're, we're glad to have you. And, and one of the things that I did in my life was I moved 
two and a half hours away where I didn't know anyone. And I thought that was a pretty big deal. You moved away from a whole different country where you, I mean, you spoke English, but it's a different than your yeah. native tongue of Welsh. Yeah, so. I did. Yeah, I didn't know a single person. Yeah, I didn't know a single and person. Yeah. How, how old were you? I was 28 at the time, so I wasn't that I young. Mean, yeah, yeah. Kudos, I, you're not some kid at that point. Right? <laughs> so kudos, dude. That's, that's huge. I think I, was, um, I, I don't. I don't think I cared at the time. I think I was just kind of crazy, you know. And I just wanted to yeah. succeed. It might be different now. As you get older, you get a little. You think a little bit more about stuff. Was just at the time, I was like, ah, yeah, let's go, USA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last one. If you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Someone I met, or someone I haven't met, or is it just completely up to me? Anybody you want. I'd have to go back for, for um, to my mentor. So. My mentor who started me, who I said I met that, that one time in, uh, in, in the rainy ring where the ring was crooked. And he was just such a character. He was an old guy. He was in his 70s at the time. And he was such, a, such an amazing character. Um, and he taught me so much. And, but I only realized I was only around for maybe two or three years. And I got signed to go to the, the US. And he knew that. And his dream was always his dream was for me to be the first ever Welsh heavyweight champion. I think maybe that's where also my goal to be the world heavy champion was. Um, but in November of, of 2019, he passed away. So he went in for a, an operation. I think he was 76. He always hid his age. He never told anyone how old he was. He always did that. But I think he was 76 and he went in for an operation. And I remember seeing him on a Sunday and then getting a call on a Wednesday that he passed away. So it would be him because there's since so many stories that have come out and he was such a great guy, such an unbelievable character. Like, such an unbelievable character. And yeah, to, to sit down and have a, a bowl of ice cream with him again and ask so many questions and just show him where, where I've got to today would be uh, really cool. Yeah, I'm moved by that. And even though you might not have accomplished that dream, he would probably be super proud that you were able to take that and build it into something more and something more and something more. So that's... Yeah. Uh, and he, he knew he knew I'd been signed by the WWE as well. So that was at least that. He knew, he knew I was going in January of, of, of the following year. So that was... That was, he was still keeping touch with his wife. So I, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'll cut this or not, but like, um, I grew up in a really small town that was, grew up in a lot of poverty. And there are times, man, where I've been in Vegas eating a great steak, or I've been in Paris, or I've been in Africa or something like that. And I'm pinching myself from where I came from to where I am. And that single moment at that time, I can't imagine coming from where you were in 200 people and, and that, and where you've, you've built your life. So I, I don't know if you're, you know, who, who knows if it matters, but like he, you might not have achieved that for him, but that's, that's a huge accomplishment. I know he would be super proud. So. Yeah, no, I, I think he was in it. Yeah. And, you know, the same, same thing. Like even to this day, even though I've been here 11 years, it's times where I'm like, wow, it's like, I look outside and it's sunny. And I remember living in Wales where, you know, it's February here. And it's just miserable this time of year. It doesn't get, it doesn't get light till 9am. It gets dark at 4pm and anything in between is all gray and drizzle all day long. And it's yeah. just like, and I'm here and like, you know, I just look around sometimes and I'm like, the sun is shining. They've got a blue sky. It's just, I just love it. I just, you know, I'm just consider myself so lucky in that aspect as well. That's awesome. Well, Barry, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I love hearing your persistence of your story and your grit to just continue to push yourself forward. If our listeners wanted to reach out and find out more about you, where could people find out more about you? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on, man. Uh, I'm excited. I'm glad you, you had me on the show. This is a great conversation. 
apologize if I talk too much. I get off on tangents sometimes. But yeah, if people want to find out more, I got my own podcast, daily podcast. It's called the WWRE podcast, which stands for Wrestling with Real Estate. Um, so you can check that out. It's on iTunes and everything like that. And the best place for people, I, I'm on I'm on uh, Instagram as well as the WWRE podcast. But if you go to wrestlingwithrealestate.com, that's the best place for, for you guys. The, all the links to the all my social media, so the podcast, or the YouTube is all there. And as well, what what we did recently was as well, because when I first uh, started out, I had so much trouble underwriting. You know, as, as I said, it's, it's still a challenge sometimes this day, right? But it's underwriting is such an important component of multifamily because that's how you get to the value, right? You work, figure out what the income is, what the expenses is. And then you get to the NOI. The NOI essentially tells you what the value is. It tells you what the returns are going to be. It tells you tells you everything. So it's so critical to be able to get to an accurate NOI. And I had so much trouble when I started out. So I have a friend, the guy that I said I partner with. We put a video together. It's about 10, 15 minutes long about the basics of underwriting and how kind of underwriting works. Um, so if people go to wrestlingwithrealestate.com, there'll be a pop-up there and they can sign up for that uh, free underwrite, video underwriting. So um, that's on there as well. But yeah wrestlingwithrealestate.com awesome. yeah awesome we'll leave links in the show notes and all that kind of stuff so very fantastic time thank you for coming on i look forward to your continued success yeah i can't wait for this ice cream you're gonna give me <laughs> chocolate <laughs> chocolate <laughs> thank you for listening to ice cream with investors if you like what we serve you here it would mean the world to me if you would like subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app